Welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, not long ago, I was in the drive through line over at Starbucks across from the aquatic center. And when I finally got up to the window, I handed the attendant my card to pay for what I had ordered. And she said, oh, the person ahead of you has already paid for yours. What is it about that that is so life-giving? I love it when that happens. If you ever see me behind you in a Starbucks line, just go ahead. Just go ahead and pay. I really like that when that happens. I realize it's only $2.75 and whatever whatever the amount is. But for some reason, that little act makes me feel like a million bucks. Kind of injects me with this hope for humanity. And many times... Having received, it inspires me to pay for the car behind me. The simple, spontaneous act of kindness edifies, dignifies, and encourages. And I would suggest to you today that when Jesus' people radiate kindness, when we live out kindness in everyday life, when we simply allow the good things that God has given to us and done in us to naturally and routinely flow out of us in spontaneous and intentional acts of kindness, we are testifying to the reality of the risen Christ in us and with us. And it's in those moments that we are giving the world a compelling vision of who God is. This is our second week in our Eastertide series, our Radiant Life series, and we're talking today about putting on the clothing of kindness. And again, just like compassion last week, this is a really simple concept. We all know what kindness looks like, we all know what kindness feels like. Kindness is simply love lived out. I mean, it's just nothing complex about it, it's love lived out. So we don't need a whole bunch of lengthy explanations on what kindness is. Actually, it would probably be a better use of our time to take the next half hour or so, just shut this down right now, and scatter off into the city of Folsom and simply show kindness to other people and then reconvene about a half hour or 40 minutes from now and talk about the experience and talk about how God showed up in those encounters. So keep this in mind as we talk through this a bit today. Kindness is not complicated. Kindness is a way of treating others. Kindness is simply love lived out in action. That said, kindness for some people might actually be more challenging than unkindness. That kind of sounds strange, but think about it for a second. You've probably met people like this. You hang around them long enough. You see them in action in enough situations. And you begin to realize how meanness and unkindness and anger kind of fuel their posture toward other people. So if there was a vaccine, for example, known to eradicate, get rid of harshness, anger, unkindness, some people would not know how to spend their day if they were to get that vaccine. They wouldn't have a whole lot to talk about if unkindness and harshness and anger were somehow rooted out of them. There are people for whom things are only right, it seems, 
when there's something wrong. They almost can't function unless there's something wrong. Some kind of looming problem, some kind of present turmoil. Someone who wronged them in some way and they want to fixate and focus on that, indiv- on that individual. So their lives run on this energy. And it's really hard to practice kindness when you're trapped in this sort of mindset. And especially in today's world of enemy-making and finger-pointing, unkindness is easier for some people. It makes some people, strangely, feel better to be unkind. I've heard these conversations. I've, I've listened and, and I've heard people say things like, you know, they're not going to be a doormat. They're not going to get walked on. Refuse to be taken advantage of and variations of these kinds of things. And so this idea of being mean or harsh or angry somehow in some way proves they won't be a doormat and they won't be taken advantage of and they won't be walked on. See, there's a kind of childlike vulnerability in kindness. I was sitting out front today as people were walking in and I don't know what it is, but we've got like this influx of little children that are taking over the church. It's really wonderful to watch. Some of them aren't here yet. They've not yet arrived, but they're coming and others are here. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And you just watch a child and there's this, this vulnerability. There's this, I'm just here. I'm just present. I don't have to prove anything. I'm not demanding anything. Well, that's probably not true, but I'm not... I'm not insisting on anything. I'm just being here. I'm me. And where are we going now? I watched this little girl. People, she was with her mom. And some people started walking into the, into the doors of the church. And she just took off and started walking into the doors of the church. There's this kind of untethered freedom that is in children. And there is a childlike vulnerability required to practice kindness. The freedom to offer kindness to others without grinding over or worrying about whether it's going to be appreciated or whether it's going to be reciprocated. As God's chosen people, Paul says, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't see anything in there about being taken advantage of. I don't see anything in there about asserting our rights or getting what we deserve. This common posture of defensiveness, of grabbing and holding, is not the Jesus way. And the edginess of living this way makes unkindness far easier and routine than kindness. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and all the rest are character qualities then of the new self Jesus is forming in his people. We could say it this way. They are the specifics, compassion, kindness, and so on, are the specifics of what it means to be renewed in knowledge in the image of our creator. So the new clothing of kindness is something the spirit of God cultivates in us as we cooperate with him. So imagine if Christians and the Christian church in our nation had a well-known reputation for being the kindest people on the planet. Think about that. And think about that compared to what Christians and the church's reputation actually is. Imagine if in your neighborhood where you live or in your workplace or school, you were known as someone 
who has unusual kindness. And even when complaint and disagreement and anger and defensiveness and selfishness was breaking out all around you, you stood in the middle of all the noise and remained kind because you were kind. Even when others were staking their claims and asserting their rights and demanding their way, you were in the middle of all that noise manifesting kindness because the Spirit of Jesus had cultivated His kindness within you. Paul's words at the beginning of our scripture reading lay the foundation for this way of living. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he says. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, this may not ring much to us or or sing to us, but this is Old Testament language that was reserved for the Israelites, now being extended to all who put their faith in Jesus. A new reality has begun, in other words, an identity-giving reality where now those who are in Christ are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come, and part of that new is kindness. So first of all, God is kind. Just hear that statement, God is kind. It doesn't actually roll off the tongue quite as easily as God is great or God is holy. Or God is powerful. It's a bit less common to say God is kind. It may not resonate quite as quickly to say God is kind. It kind of jolts me, actually. When you just think of kindness and then you say God is kind, it's not that familiar of an idea. And I imagine such an image of God as being kind might cut against the grain of our default image. The older translations of the Bible, such as the King James Version, use this wonderful word, loving kindness, to try their best to translate this rich Hebrew word that's known as hased. Now, if you're going to say it in Hebrew, you have to act like you're about to spit. So you say hased. So we won't practice that. But hased is good enough. It's an amazing Hebrew word. And sometimes it's translated in our Bibles as love, other times as kindness, other times as goodness. And the point is, the word is so rich and vibrant, it is actually untranslatable. Loving kindness is the King James translation. But loving kindness was a word made up by some guy in the 1500s to try and articulate the wonder and the beauty of this word, hesed. I remember 100 years ago sitting in a seminary class in Deerfield, Illinois, and the professor was talking about the picture of God portrayed in the Bible. He said something like this, if you want to know who God really is, then you have to ponder the word hesed because it conveys the depth and the beauty of who God is. But it is impossible to capture this word in one English word. So Psalm 63 and verse 3, the psalmist writes, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Now that's out of the King James Version. In Psalm 36.10, King James again, Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. And the picture here is of, is of God turned toward us, offering Undeserved kindness. Steadfast love is sometimes the way it gets translated. 
abundant goodness, generosity, undeserved kindness that does not depend on how we respond to it. In Exodus chapter 34, God showed himself to Moses in a way few have ever experienced. And as God passed in front of Moses, God said of himself, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, and here comes our said word, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining said love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. That's that word again, abounding in love, maintaining love to thousands, abundant in goodness, loving kindness. See, God is kind. His love is shown through a million acts of kindness, all of them undeserved, none of them earned. So like all these attributes in Colossians chapter 3, as we think about putting on the clothing of kindness toward each other and toward those in the world, this all begins with God. Kindness begins with God. And the richness of loving kindness was supremely manifested through the life and teaching and death and resurrection of Jesus. Or put it this way, the untranslatable hesed was translated through the life and death and teaching and resurrection of Jesus. So he clarifies what loving kindness is. Loving kindness comes to life in him. Loving kindness shocks us when we see it in him and we're in awe of it. And we see loving kindness pulsating in words such as he spoke Jesus in Luke 6, verses 27 to 36. So as you sit here today and you think to yourself, okay, this word loving kindness, kindness, what's this look like? How does this get fleshed out in my life? What would this look like in my neighborhood, in my workplace, with people that I'm dealing with? Here's Jesus' answer. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus is saying, be kind to those who are against you. Be kind to your enemies. Be kind to those who don't repay, don't thank, don't appreciate it. Because this is how God is. And he wants his way radiating 
through us. It kind of takes your breath away, doesn't it? Kind of feels like, well, he can't mean that. It couldn't be that. God doesn't know the neighbors that are in my neighborhood. If he did, he'd never say that. God doesn't know the people who have hurt me in such deep ways. If he did, he would not tell me to do good to them. He'd tell me to pay them back. Kind of takes your breath away. It's a little bit different than assert your rights. Stake your claim. And here's the wonder of it all. This radical kindness is the way we were meant to live. This radical kindness is the new clothing of the kingdom. And these clothes fit perfectly with who we were meant to be. And here's the other thing, with who we want to be. So let's talk for a second about what kindness is. Kindness is love in action. Nothing complicated about it. The logical conclusion of the matter is this. Once this idea of has said gets into us even a little bit, the logical conclusion is this. Followers of Jesus should be the kindest people on the planet because they have experienced the incomprehensible kindness of God. And as his loving kindness forms in us, it flows out of us in a million different spontaneous or planned actions done for the good of others. Some years ago, I was in the Denver airport waiting for a connecting flight, and I was sitting at a Starbucks, which I guess is the theme today, me and Starbucks and coffee. I was sitting at this thing, and I was drinking coffee, and I was reading. And an employee of one of the airlines came in and was ordering something, and By her uniform, she appeared to me to work on the ramp, loading planes, directing them, and so on. And shortly after, a pilot came into the same Starbucks, and he saw this airline employee, and he walked up to the counter, and he had a brief conversation with her. Then he paid for her drink, and he thanked her for the work she did. And when she left, I watched this whole thing. When she left, I asked the pilot if he knew her. And he said something like this, no, I don't know her. I just wanted her to know I appreciate what she does. It's just like a beautiful thing. Almost was in tears just watching it. And then when he told me this and long after this small act of kindness was over, it kept echoing in me. I couldn't forget it. And here it is echoing again today. It was years ago. And yet I'm retelling it. He was not an important pilot and she an insignificant ramp worker. She was a person to recognize, to honor, and to serve. And his kindness said, I see you, and you matter. This is life in the kingdom 101. I see you, and you matter. The reality of who God is and what he has done for us should routinely overflow in kind actions for others. I was in the Bel Air parking lot uh, at, at going to Bel Air grocery store the other day, and before I got out of my car... I saw a young mom with two children, one in each hand, standing near the entrance to that party store that's over there next to Bel Air. Something tells me that store creates as much chaos as it does good. Just a guess, a hunch I have, but I think I'm probably right. So this mom's littlest child, as they stood outside that place, was in full-blown meltdown mode outside the door. Screaming, stomping, pulling his hand away every time his mom tried to take it. This little guy conveyed an amazing amount of information through one simple word, no. 
just screaming it. And it just like was paragraph after paragraph of sentences all conveyed through, no, as loud as he could. I watched as she tried everything to calm this little kid down. She tried to reassure him. And watching this brought back a million memories in my own mind, especially of Sam. (laughs) I love him dearly, but he had eh, maybe one or two of those kind of meltdowns when he was a younger lad. But I felt so bad for this woman and for the kids. I mean, just seeing that, this idyllic adventure to this fun store becomes a scene in a horror movie in the snap of a finger. And here's the thing, I wanted to help. I wanted to be kind there somehow, but I had no idea what to do. It seemed like it would have been weird to offer to help. This creepy old guy, can I take one of your children, hold them for you? That's probably not a good idea. I didn't know what to do. When I get in these situations, I always think, I wish Julie was here. Julie would know what to do here. Plus, she has so much kindness, it makes up for my lack of it. So it kind of gets a double win. The point is that situations calling for kindness are all around us all the time. Why? Because the world is so broken. I dare say if you were to leave here today and go do whatever you want to do, at home, out and about, whatever, I would bet that you would see and hear a multitude of situations on this single day where you would realize right away kindness is called for here. Kindness could turn the tide here. Kindness could bring the reality of the kingdom in this situation, whether people realized it or not. I dare say you would have opportunity after opportunity to live missionally today simply by incarnating the kindness that you have received from Jesus himself. And that's what kindness does. Kindness gets involved. It practically helps. It seeks to meet needs. It sees people, not categories. It never asks the question, hmm, do they deserve it? Ever. Because kindness is not a reward. It's an expression of love by people who have been the recipients of God's extraordinary love. And followers of Jesus who have been the undeserving recipients of this amazing loving kindness should be the kindest people on planet earth, period, end of story. We should be intentional about seeing others and letting them know they matter through acts of love and kindness. So lastly, let's talk about practicing kindness. It would be just wonderful this week if a few hundred of us were to scatter into the world in a kind of a prayerful posture of, God, you are so kind, help me radiate your kindness. Scatter into the world, empowered by God's Spirit, and sort of a prayerful mindset of where can I be kind, that we would go to practice kindness toward others. There is no shortage of need. And who knows how God might use our willingness. So a few reminders as we seek to practice kindness. One is we have to live with our eyes open. This is just a steady, ongoing, biblical idea 
and great writers throughout the centuries have pointed this out time and time again, that the great problem with people who are people of faith is that we live with our eyes closed. We get lost in our own world. We do our own thing, and all the stuff happening around us, including what the Spirit of God is up to all around us, we can't see it because we have our eyes closed. So we have to keep our eyes open and we have to work hard to avoid getting lost in our own little worlds. Another idea is to take action. Kindness is not a thinking person's game. It's not about sitting in your car thinking, let's see, what should I do here? It's about doing it, getting out of the car, offering to help, giving a kind word, buying a coffee. And one other thing by way of guidance, there's no strings attached with our kindness. And this is the big barrier for some of us. This is where we get paralyzed. We think about an act of kindness, but we think too much about the other, how the other is going to receive it. Will they thank us? Will they return the favor at some point? Will they use what we give them in a constructive way? You know how this goes. You do something for someone and they don't acknowledge it or they don't thank you for it. And what happens is this thing starts to go through us. So if they didn't thank me, they didn't even acknowledge it. The whole thing is lost when that happens. Our kindness cannot have strings attached. It is good for us to remember God causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good, as the Bible says. So we want to grow into people who demonstrate kindness because we have been the undeserving recipients of the extraordinary kindness of God. Now, I told you this before, but I love the grocery store. I love going there. I love wandering around. I love a whole lot about it. So I'm going to just offer a few kindness suggestions one might have in going to the grocery store. Now, you can take this. You don't need me to give you these suggestions. There's a million things to do. But here's a few ideas. Let someone go ahead of you in line. I mean, what a crime that would be. You're there. I got here first. Step back. Hey, go ahead. That's one way to be kind. Here's another one. Put abandoned sharp shopping carts in the carousel, or better yet, walk them back up to the store. I want you to hear me loud and clear. Leaving shopping carts propped up on a planter bed is a mortal sin. <laughs> it really is. It drives me insane. I see people do it, and I have a myriad of unformed thoughts running through my mind. I, I want to be unkind to them. What do you think, a little elf's going to come by sometime later and pick this up? That drives me insane. I know there's, you, some of you know Chuck Jackson. Chuck Jackson and I are going to start a group, a shopping cart group. Put the cart back group. I mean, he's just like me in this, wandering around. And, he's, and you see this, it's almost impossible for me to go through a, a parking lot and see some cart propped up on a curb without having very unformed and unkind thoughts about the person who put it there. So a simple act of kindness is to put the cart back. Here's another one. Some people have worked at these places for a long, long time. I go to the old Rayleigh's. I see people there I've seen for years. Or go to a Bel Air, and same thing. And one of the things that I'm going to try to do is to just simply acknowledge to the person that's checking me out, hey, I've seen you here for years. Thank you for all your hard work. Uh, at this place. And one other one. Sometimes you'll see the elderly at these grocery stores by themselves. 
And sometimes, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I feel like there's a larger narrative there. Someone who's probably or might live alone. They're at the store. I've had this happen where I'll be walking down an aisle and someone will be sitting there kind of looking up at the, you know, Apple Cheerios or Apple Jacks up on the top shelf. And there's a simple way, if eyes are open, to be able to help some who are not as able to get whatever it is they want in a place like a grocery store. Again, there's millions of these things. And you don't need a list of this. You know what they are. All you got to do is have your eyes open and a prayerful heart and it will become obvious. Well, one of the themes that we're going to continue to talk about here as a church, and this is kind of climbing back up to 30,000 feet for a second, but one of the themes we're going to continue to talk about is the importance of our life together as a witnessing community in this broken world. Our world needs Jesus. And our job as one slice of his people is to live in such a way that we show the world who he is. Certainly, we do this in our individual lives. But it doesn't stop there. The power of the resurrection is in the new community of people Jesus brings together and calls his church. See, Christianity is not a private affair between me and Jesus. It's not something that I have with him, and then every now and then I stumble into this room or some other setting where we are, and I bring my little Jesus with me, and you bring your little Jesus with you, and we kind of have our private time with him alone, and then we leave. It doesn't work like that. Christianity is a public affair between me and you and God. It's a together thing. It's a we thing. It's a communal thing. It's a connection thing. It's a brother and sister in Christ thing. God called a people, the Israelites, to be his people and through whom, through them, to bless the rest of the world. God calls the church to be his people and through them to bless the rest of the world and demonstrate to the world the better way of living in him. See, when we live out these things together and practice these things together, when we do this in community, connected with one another, we proclaim good news to this broken world. Or in the words of theologian Robert Wall, reconciled relationships within the faith community bear witness to God's triumph over society's corrupting influence. In this sense, changes within us and between us serve an evangelical purpose. People become convinced that the gospel is true when they see its fruit in the lives of believers. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we are grateful for this mysterious, challenging, often complicated thing called church and life together. And we are grateful for this incredible vision of a new life, a new heart, a new interior, new clothes to put on of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. This new way of being with one another, this new way of seeing this new way of living in this world. People who are being transformed and learning to put on the very character that you had 
to have the very inner being that you had. So we see the way you see and we hear the way you hear and we respond the way you respond. And so we continue to pray for your Holy Spirit to cultivate this, us, this in us. That we might be people who learn the good way of the kingdom with one another and who demonstrate the good way of the kingdom in this world. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.